0: <laughs> Welcome to the philosophy of love, where we spill all the tea on love and relationships. I have my two, three, actually, guests today. We have returning guests Emma, G, and Kaylee Amon. And Naomi, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Naomi. She's the one that was laughing. <laughs> she always laughs. It's very
1: cute.
2: <laughs> I just like to point out that Katie was laughing and not me. But I, I will take full credit that I made her laugh. was
1: your fault.
0: Speaking of making people laugh, we have our question for today.
3: <laughs> our question funny. for today, which
0: we will all answer. What do you think the role of the wife should be in relation to submitting to the husband or in being a leader in the family?
3: Hot take, right? I think that for me personally, the word submissive, it just kind of like throws me off and I don't like it. And that's not great because as Christians, we're just called to be submissive to God in general. And mm. being submissive oh. is part of our nature, mm-hmm. or it should be part of our nature as Christians. And we should submit to, you know, the authority of the Lord. and. Oh, I like that. I. No, I couldn't submit to a man. I don't like that idea. I get that. <laughs> Actually, I don't like that idea at all. I just don't like that word. Um, I think that a man can be a good Christian leader of the household, and when he is, the woman should submit and should back him up, and should. I think that's like. The, kind of the way that God intended it if you hmm. look at the first relationship of man and woman and but it's like mutual it goes both ways but I think there's not enough men that do it right nowadays, that's my point I guess. I'm two, talking about like not feminine, but. absent father figures father figures that aren't loyal to their wise people, father figures that just aren't father figures and aren't providing for the household and aren't good role models for their kids to look up to. I think that happens a lot. So in the ideal situations, yes, the woman should submit, but it's hard to find a man to submit to that's
1: worthy of submission.
0: Kaylee, would you like to give some historical context? Absolutely. This
1: is what I live for. Um, So I think, first of all, to approach it from... The biblical stance, I think, with a lot of perspectives like the one that Emma is bringing to the table, we see this sort of conflict almost um, when you're looking at things like Paul wrote, for instance, where he says, um, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives, and things like that. And then also his letter to the church in Ephesus, um, where he essentially says that women should be silent in church, um, these sort of things are generally taken very out of context and not fully understood um, in the way that the original writer Paul was intending them. And also for the section in Ephesians five, where he says wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. um, It's a mirror image of how the church is to be loved by Christ. Right, because mm-hmm. we are the bride, and he's the groom. Um, and it's it's supposed to be this picture not of the husband necessarily holding a place of domination over the wife or superiority over the wife, but it's, it's more this relationship of, like, I'm submitting to you, quote-unquote, by uplifting you, right? And it's more... Mm-hmm supposed to be this kind of partnership rather than one is taking complete control over the other um and actually i was just looking at this earlier today the original text actually doesn't use the word submit it uses the word subject Hmm. which is not a a gendered word in the bible throughout Hmm. other places old testament new testament we see the word subject being applied to both male and female and it's typically like if XYZ happens, you will be subjected to whatever repercussion that is, whether that's positive or negative. Um, So I think with that specific verse in Ephesians 5, if we're looking at it with that context that the original text does not say submit, but subject, um, that brings a whole new lens to it, but also something like uh, where Paul says that women should be silent in churches, it's like that verse is typically taken extremely out of context to justify the lack of women in leadership roles in churches and Mm -hmm. to explain why a lot of denominations and individuals think that women cannot and should not be pastors when in reality Jesus actually used many women throughout his ministry period here on earth and um, even Paul himself would have women selected to deliver the letters that he was writing to these different church branches, which like you're not going to be selected by Paul specifically Mm -hmm. to deliver a letter if you don't have a position of like power and influence over the people that are there, right? So it's not like women just holds this place of second class status or anything. It was supposed to be something that was like we are more equal. We are helping each other. We're not supposed to be divided into superior and inferior because that's not what God ever intended. When you look at something like the women should be silent um, passage of scripture, it's it's more pointing to the way that women and men used to be separated in the churches in uh, the biblical time that Paul was writing in. And um, sometimes because... One of the explanations that I've come across for this, anyway, is that sometimes because the women would either not really love to be paying attention to what was going on in the church or they wouldn't understand the Hebrew, so they wouldn't, like, literally wouldn't be able to listen and comprehend what the service was, right? Or it was simply like they did understand, but they didn't understand fully and they were trying to talk to each other, that they would, the women, or the women's section of the early churches would just become very loud and very, like, overrun. And so um, whoever was overseeing these church services would have to be, like, like ladies, you have to be quiet because we can't hear mm-hmm. anything. Um, or, like, women. <laughs> come on. <laughs> um, or another explanation that I've heard is that, like, um, because women and men would be separated in the churches, they would have um, this division placed between them. That women would um, kind of like call out to their husbands if there was something they don't understand, which would naturally be disruptive. But like they're just trying to understand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, either whichever way you look at it, whether it's one of those two perspectives or the other perspectives that different scholars and theologians have proposed over the years. It's very clear that this passage is not contextually intended to say that women can't hold leadership roles or can't be pastors. It's simply directed at the way that also that passage in particular, Paul is talking about the way that ministry and churches should be ordered mm-hmm. right and the way that they should actually run he's not saying he. it's not a passage that is supposed to disparage women um, it's just a passage that's supposed to describe the way that structure and order should be maintained and something like that means that well we can't have people whether men or women or children or whatever the case may be we can't have them being extremely disruptive because that negates the purpose of the actual experience of the church service Um, so things like that just specifically in the biblical narrative those were very centralized examples but it's evident if you actually look at the context and what the original languages were actually saying that this kind of division um, and determination of these roles that were relegated to men and women were not ever intended by the lord it wasn't how he was supposed to have it operate and said it's just the way that we as flawed human beings have affected things and changed things over time i think you also touched on the relationship with the
0: church that women have and so i thought that was very beautiful naomi do you have any thoughts
2: the first evangelist was the woman at the well um jesus came to her first and she was the first person he gave permission to to spread the word about him, and she ran off and she said, let me tell you about a man who Mm -hmm. knew everything I'd ever done, Mm -hmm. so women can evangelize. Um, I also just think that it's very hard to understand the intricacies of the worldly representation, of a husband and a wife mm-hmm. to yeah. the heavenly reality of a bride and a God. Yeah. I just think that there's, that's one that people focus on a lot, mm-hmm. but the way that I see it, God represents his love and his connection to other people in almost every relationship. Mm-hmm. When I think of the relationship between a father and a daughter... That's like the father, God, and his child. Mm -hmm. When I think of the relationship between um, just friends, I think of um, how Jesus was a friend. I think there are so many relationships that um, are built out of the same love that God is built of because God is love. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we talk about submission, it's really important to realize that Really, we're just talking about God and how he is love. And since he is the highest authority, we must submit to him. Mm -hmm. But when you take that in the context of the world, it can so easily be distorted. Mm -hmm. And it seems impossible for the human eye to be able to fully represent God's love for the bride in a human man and a woman. Yeah.
0: I struggle with that metaphor sometimes just because if I think it's beautiful, but also, and I get the sacrificial love of Christ part, but it feels, I don't want to say weird, that's not the correct word, but if you guys could help me on this, maybe give your perspective on how the male kind of is, or God is the metaphor kind of like for the male and the female is more so the church, it just feels like a little too much of a power in not like in a feministic way, just like, compare symbolically metaphorically the male to god i guess if that i don't know if that question makes sense but
2: i think what morgan's trying to say yeah. is when the metaphor so clearly shows one person who's perfect yes and that's one exactly what I'm body saying. who's not perfect yes and then yeah. you attribute the perfect one to man and the not perfect one to woman yeah. it can get distorted that's what
0: confuses me sometimes not in like a feministic way it just feels weird oh, to yeah. be like a male like you Man, mm, husband, yeah. you quit like quite that confusion
1: yeah. as well. Yeah, I think a huge part of a potential answer to your question—I don't know that it's mm. the answer, um, or that there even is one single answer—but I think a potential answer is that, for one thing, like Naomi was kind of getting at, we cannot fully understand the things of heaven. That's true, right? And like yeah. the ways that. God operates and all that's the true. things that he knows that we will never know and won't even come close mm-hmm. to be able to comprehend and I think this is one of those things because I I don't think necessarily that God is inherently male or female. He's just God. Um, and that's something that I also personally struggle with because like I, we say god the father you know we say him we say he and like that's how i conceptualize god Mm -hmm. but i also do approach that with recognition that like our human minds need something like that to grasp onto like we need we we i think very personally and also broader than that we aren't necessarily comfortable with like there's no gender, there's no male or female, there's no identity to that it just is, you know we need to kind of ascribe something to that to make sense of it almost Um, and so that's that and setting that aside I think also when you take that metaphor specifically that God is like the groom, the masculine right and the church everybody is imperfect, is the bride it's like well part of that is problematic because of our desire to conceptualize
2: mm.
1: and I think a gen- gender is part of that but also something that we have to remember with this metaphor is the bride is made perfect through the groom mm. it doesn't stay perfect imperfect relationship so it doesn't stay with this kind of imbalance that you yeah. mentioned but instead the bride the church we are made perfect eventually by our partnership with Christ. Mm. So even if it is a gender thing, it doesn't stay imbalanced, which is just yet another example of how we have sort of twisted this definition and meaning of submit, right? Mm. Because it's not supposed to be this power imbalance, this imbalance in value. It's simply supposed to be, I'm lifting you up as you are lifting me up and we are meeting each other in the middle and through Christ we are made perfect in our partnership with him not on this earth granted but like in heaven we will be made perfect through our partnership with him Mm. so I want to say two things
2: first of all Kaylee to come off of what you said the bible verse that says in our weakness, we are strong, Mm. is something that people struggle with a lot. And I think it could be slightly similar to submission, where we see it as weakness, but in the Bible it says, when we are weak, we are strong. Mm -hmm. When we need God, we, oh, let me rephrase, let me take that again. Take (laughs) Lord Almighty, Um, help me. (laughs) Um. basically just if you have everything you need, then you don't need God. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. there's power in reliance because you rely on the creator of the universe. Mm. And only when you rely on him, only when you ask him for help, are you going to fully step into partnership with him.
3: Mm. Mm, That's a word.
2: That's good. The second thing I was gonna say is that God existed before men and women.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: And thus he cannot be a man or a woman.
0: Facts. Oh. That gets into a whole nother theological, philosophical debate, conversation. I like that. Yeah. But my perspective on this, this question doesn't trouble me too much just because I had, I don't want to say a perfect example of what marriage should look like with my parents. They would never say perfect, but as perfect as I feel like a person can get in some ways because, oh, so yeah, I think I saw, for one, this is off topic, but I saw how they could have arguments but still have that same love for one another and I think that their way of just pursuing life together was so so natural like I wasn't like my mom had to think about am I submitting to my to my her husband not my husband am I submitting to my husband my dad and it just was natural like sometimes my mom my mom's pretty she's like me or I'm like her I'm pretty strong pretty tough I'd like to say sometimes so sometimes we joke oh mom you wear the pants of the house but it was never like my my dad was I don't want to say submissive because I feel like they both compromised but it's my dad felt like masculine I guess all those traditional qualities and that I look up to a, a lot but it just felt like natu- like she he wasn't naturally leading when sometimes she also had leadership roles in our family sometimes so you, it felt very traditional without it being in your face traditional on the nose traditional yeah. I guess if that makes sense and my opinion of this goes back and forth depending on if I'm in a group that is all more conservative with, with this part I'm usually against them. If I'm in a group that's the opposite, I'm usually against them too. I just like to argue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. But I think also just sometimes I, I, all scriptures God breathes, but sometimes even Jesus works in unorthodox ways. Like, I was just listening to a sermon today about the genealogies in Matthew, how they listed women in that. And really, those genealogies were meant to back up the authority of Christ, that he was the Messiah. So the fact that they used women in those genealogies was a huge deal because in the Old Testament, they didn't really include women in genealogies. You you never know exactly how God's gonna work I guess (laughs) I guess that's where that rant was leading but I have one more question then we'll cap off the show. Do you think that there should be any role of leadership submissiveness in dating?
3: I was doing uh, my portfolio last semester on the balance of masculinity and femininity and something I found that was like very interesting is like the masculine or like the man like needs to be needed like he has this internal um like, need in his DNA to feel like his value comes from being needed and the woman like needs to feel cared for and like taken care of and protected and that's just like part of kind of the balance um, which I that sorry that has nothing to do with the dating thing but I feel like if you're dating long enough Yes, I think any guy would kind of want like, like guys generally I think like tend to want to like take charge. Not all men, but usually, and like they feel validated and valued. I think when the woman trusts them enough to be like, okay, like I trust your lead in this, like I trust your plan for this date or for you know, where this relationship is going. And the the trust is, like, mutually beneficial for both of them. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd say submit as much as I would say, like, trust. I like that. Thank
0: you. Yeah, for me, I have two thoughts on this. I think part of me is like, oh, if you're practicing what a marriage should look like, then, like, yeah, if that's really important to you, leadership, then I guess you should be practicing that. Yeah. But also I feel like you don't earn the right to get marriage privileges until you're married, so that's really my closing thoughts. If anyone has anything else to add, if not, we can all go to bed. (laughs) Well, this has been the Philosophy of Love, where we somewhat philosophically talk about all things relationships. Today, we kind of went off on different kind of relationships, even with the church and with with God and with Christ, and just hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Bye. Good night.